Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Greetings to all of our Rhodes Church family, uh, the Rhodes Mount Carmel. We love you guys, the Rhodes Carlinville. So thankful for you guys and appreciate Pastors Kevin and Amy there in Mount Carmel and BJ and Ashley there in Carlin, <coughs> sorry, Carlinville. I guess I gave a little bit in the first service, but I got more in the reserve tank. Thank you, Jesus. Our E-Roads family, anybody watching online, wherever you're watching, whether you just got done watching John Wayne and you're tuning into us, <laughs> or you are in Moorhead State, got some kids watching there this morning, so, so honored to have everybody. Let's welcome all of our E-Roads family watching online. What's up, guys? We love you all. Hey, our vision here at the Rhodes Church is to connect people with Jesus from all roads of life. So we want to get you connected, not just into the church, but into Jesus and the body of Christ. And, but it does start, part of being connected into the body of Christ is being connected into his bride, into his church. So we encourage you to do that, be part of our discipleship road. Uh, tonight starts Jesus Book Course 1. It's an eight-week course on Jesus. So that's going to be meeting tonight here at 6 o'clock. Uh, we'll be in the growth track room. So if you have not registered for that, you still can. Uh, but today is your last. You can't just show up tonight. We will throw you out. But you can. I'm just kidding. But just register. You can get your books and everything tonight. Uh, there in Mount Carmel and Carlinville as well. Uh, we're excited about that class. It's going to be starting tonight. Also, our roads groups are available. Please get connected into those. Develop some relationships and uh, serve. Be a part of the crew. Serve in the crew. Give of your gifts and talents. Church does not happen by accident. It happens because people are willing to serve. So we're thankful, so thankful for our Rhodes crew that make church uh, possible. I want to read a quick testimony before we get into the message this morning. I want to keep you abreast of what God is doing in our midst. Sometimes God's doing things and, and we don't know about them, but I want to give you testimonies about how God is touching people. Uh, I think as we honor the testimony of healings and miracles and things that God's doing in our midst, it is the, the word testimony means God will do it again. So every time we give a testimony, I want you to hear that God is in the miracle working business and he may do it for me as well. That uh, you, we just want to encourage people. And we got this testimony from Barbara and she posted this on Facebook and we asked permission to share it and she uh, graciously gave us permission. She said, well, a lot of you that know me know that I was diagnosed with a very rare breast cancer back in 2021. I had surgery and radiation treatments that year and continued my follow-up appointments along with all the tests that is required. In 2022, my husband and I were invited to the Rhodes Church in North City to the service called Encounter in the Water. This is where you can get baptized for what Ever you feel that you're in need of. Well, of course, I went for healing, and I remember those wonderful people praying for me in the water, and they would dunk me and bring me up from the water and ask me if I felt any different or if I felt anything, and each time I would say no until the fourth dunk. <laughs> when they brought me up from the water, I felt like electric static going back and forth in my chest. It was an amazing feeling that is so hard to explain. After that, I went and hugged my husband. And he stated to me, you are healed, I feel it. And with all the excitement, I felt that too until 
the old devil started creeping in saying you're not worthy enough or that's just his wishful thinking. Fast forward to today, and of course I'm still going to the doctor and still feeling lumps, so I had to do my mammogram and ultrasound and bone density tests and all my lab works. Well, I'm excited to say that I found out that my mammogram showed no evidence of cancer. My labs and bone density tests looked better than they did last year, and I just wanted to praise him and give him all the glory. I am healed. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, praise you, praise you. Yes. It's you, Lord. It's you, Lord. Woo, I mean, thankful for Jesus. Some of you, that's all right. It wasn't your test. When that's your test, your praise will be different. And that's not critical. I'm just trying to teach us at this church something. That if we can't get excited for someone else's miracle, then let's don't be complaining when we don't see breakthrough in our own life. I believe we sow praise into other people's miracles. We sow praise into what God's doing in other people's life. And we can reap. He who sows greatly will reap greatly. So we want to sow into the worship of what God's doing in other people. I don't even know this lady. I don't even know who she is. I don't know that. I don't know when she got in the water. She could walk up and say, hey, I'm Barbara. And I'm like, I, I'm glad to meet you. But I know someone's touched by the hand of God. And when I see God moving, I say, more Jesus, more Jesus, more Jesus. So I pray that we'll continue to be excited for what God is doing because we're expecting him to do more. Amen. Hey, let's get into the word. I've been wanting to preach this message for quite some time, but God's been wanting to do something else, and what he wants to do always takes precedence over what I want to do. And so we're going to try it today, though. We did it in the first service, and I believe this is what he was telling me today is to preach the word. So let's get excited about the Bible. We love the Bible here at the Rhodes Church. We believe it's a great way to encounter Jesus. So we get a little bit of, we get a little hyped whenever we open our Bible. So if let's get them, if you got them, let's open up to Exodus chapter 33. Woo! Exodus 33. Sermon notes are available on the YouVersion Bible app if you'd like to follow along there. Note takers are world changers, so get a piece of paper out and take some notes. God's going to teach us something today. I believe, I believe, I believe. I'm going to start off with prayer. Lord Jesus, I just yield to you. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher of the word. I just praise you, Lord, for moving in power and might. And I pray that you will open our eyes to see and hear revelation. I pray there'll be more than a sermon, God. I don't want anybody to remember me. I want them to remember what you spoke into their hearts. I want them to remember your presence. I want them to remember what they felt when you touched their heart. Jesus, you are alive and well, and I pray, God, that you confirm this word with signs following. Come, Lord Jesus. I give you the platform. I give you glory and honor. Let everything be done for your name and your name alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Somebody say amen. amen. Hey, do you have a little swig underneath there in that little black thing? I'm a little uh, parched. Thank you. Thank you. Have you found Exodus chapter 33? That was just a segue so I could take a drink. One thing I want us to get out of the scripture today is I love how, and we'll talk about it in our class tonight, Jesus is all throughout the Old Testament. 
Jesus didn't show up in a manger in the New Testament. Jesus is everywhere all over the Bible. Everything in the Bible is about Jesus. It's all for Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. Jesus is called the Word. So the Word is also the Old Testament. Some preachers have been talking about we need to uh, plug, uh, unplug from the Old Testament. I'm like, do not listen to people who say that. Do not unplug from the Old Testament. The Old Testament is as much Jesus as the New Testament is. So we want to keep engaged with what God is doing. Exodus chapter 33. I'm going to start reading verse 12. It says, Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses says back to God, if your presence does not go with us, don't bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people upon the face of the earth. What made them separate from everybody else? It was the presence of God. It wasn't better sermons. It wasn't better singing. It wasn't better kids program. It was the presence of God that made them different. That's what made them separate from everybody else. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, here's the prayer of Moses, and I pray this will be our prayer. He said, show me your glory. Please, show me your glory. Here's the prayer that Moses is praying, essentially asking God, Lord, show me more of you. Right? Show me your glory. How many of our prayers are focused on God, show us more of you, versus how many of our prayers are focused on God, I hope you see more of me? Like, help me. Here's my needs. Here's what I'm, Lord, look at me. Look at me, God. How many times we need to change our prayers from God, look at me, to God, let me see you? Let me see you in my circumstances. Let me see you in, my, in what's going on in my life. Lord, don't you see me? Why don't you do something about it? Why don't you see me and pay attention? What if we would pray, God, show me you in the middle of my circumstances. Show me you in the middle of what's going on. I believe if we'll pray that way, it will change your perspective on our life. God, show me your glory. Show me where you are in these situations. So this is his prayer. Show me your glory. And then what's God answer? How does God answer his prayer? He says, verse 19, then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, you shall stand on the rock, so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Notice what he says. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock while my glory passes by. While my glory passes by. 
Remember we talked about we want to be a people that doesn't just let God pass by, but we want to constrain him. Remember we talked about blind Bartimaeus and how blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was passing by and he cried out and said, Jesus, son of David, don't pass me by. Actually said, don't have, or said, have mercy on me. But he's essentially saying, stop. Lord, don't pass, don't pass by me. Remember the guys, the disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, and they're walking with Jesus, and the Bible says that Jesus would have gone further. He would have kept going, but the disciples constrained him. They pulled on him, and they said, abide with us. Here's our prayer, that we will not let be people that just let Jesus walk on by, but we will be constrainers and say, abide with us, Lord. Stay here with us. You're more important than anything else. Be constraining people. He says, while my glory passes by, what's my glory? What is he talking about when he says glory? Remember we said this is weight from a root word meaning heavy, used in a good sense. It means abundance, abounding, vast riches. So he said, listen, while my glory, while my abounding riches, while my abundance, while everything that is me passes by you, when his glory, glory is kind of a churchy word, but again, we broke this down. I just want to remind us of this. Glory means everything that God is, all the abundance of his goodness, his riches of his, of his mercies, and all that he is is going to pass by. Glory is everything good about God, the immeasurable, the immeasurable quantity of God. We cannot grasp everything who God is. So he said, my glory is going to pass by. So that's what's going to pass by. I, I kind of de define it maybe like this. Like the more of God is going to pass by. He's saying, Moses, I'm going to let you see more of me than you've ever seen before. Why do, I, why do I say more when I talk about the glory of God? Because no matter how much we experience the glory of God in our life, there's always more. We could have a, have a time where you just encounter the glory of God and it just wreck you and you go, wow, that is a stronger presence of God than I've ever felt. That's wonderful. It's glorious. It's great. But there's always more. There's always more of God. That's why we don't stop pursuing him because there's always more. So he's telling Moses, he said, hey, we have been, we have been great. You've been like a friend to me, but I'm going to show you more of me. Anybody want to see more of God? Well, here's how we can experience it. Here's what he said. He said, show me your glory. And uh, what was God's plan? What was his response? He said, all right, here's what's going to happen. Verse 22. While my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. So what had Moses just asked God? We said, show me your glory. So Moses said to God, show me who you are. Show me your glory. And then what was God's response? Go back to verse 19. He said, show me your glory, 19. Then God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Verse 20, but he said, you cannot. Notice the pattern. Moses said, God, I want to see you. And what did God say? Okay, well, I will do this, I will do that, I will do this, I will do that, and you cannot. From the very beginning, God was sending a message, Moses, you cannot come up to me, but I will come down to you. Here's what religion says. Religion says 
We've got to do something to be better to come up to God's level. But God knew that could never happen. The gospel is, you want to see my glory, Moses? Okay, then I will come to you because you can't come to me. I don't think we understand how big that is. God said, I will do this, I will do that, I will do this. You cannot see me, so I'm going to come up with a plan on how I can come down to you because there is no plan where you can come up to me. I'm telling you, we're going to see the gospel in this interaction right here. Religion is always telling you and always telling me what you, I hear this all the time. Well, Chad, I just need to get my life straightened out and then I'm going to stop trying to straighten out something that you can't straighten out. To be righteous with God is nothing that we can do. It's only through Jesus. So it's just submitting to him and saying, God, I am broken. I am sinner. I am lost. I am dead. I can't do it. God says, I know. That's why I'm coming to you. So he said, uh, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. This was God's master plan to experience the glory. He said, I will put you. I will put you. I will put is a Hebrew word that means to move into a certain place or location. To move from one location to another. Moses prayed, God, I want to see your glory. Show me more of you. And and God said, okay, well, in order for you to experience more of my glory, to experience who I am, I need to put you in a different place than where you are. I'm going to move you into a new location. You cannot move yourself. I have to put you there. The location that Moses needed to be to encounter the presence of God was going to be something that Moses could not do for himself. Moses couldn't say, hey, Lord, here's what I'll do. I'll just go over here in this eye, this rock, and then, uh, then I'll see you. God said, I've got to put you in a new location because where you are currently, you cannot experience more of me. See the gospel. Moses is us in sin, and if we want to experience Jesus and experience his glory, God's got to move us into a new location, and we can't move ourselves. I don't care what you, you quit drinking, smoking, cussing, sleeping around, doing dope, doing, you can quit all that, you can start everything, but if not for Jesus, if not for Jesus, I don't move. I can do all those things. I can stop doing all these wrong things and still be lost in sin. But Jesus on that cross, that was the way that God could come to me and move me into a new location. He said, I will put, I will put. You won't put yourself, Chad. Stop trying to put yourself. I will put you in a new location. In order for you to be where you need to be to encounter my glory, I'm going to put you in a different place. What was the place? Where did he say he's going to put him? I will put you in the what? In the cleft of the rock. In the cleft of the rock. What does the rock represent? Jesus. Let's look at that just to verify it. Remember, Scripture needs to define Scripture. We don't just make things up. Scripture gets to decide what the rock represents. So he said, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. 2 Samuel twenty-two forty-seven. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted. The rock of my salvation. 
Psalm 89, 26, he shall cry to me, you are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Psalm 95, 1, oh come, let us sing to the Lord, let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. So who is our salvation? Jesus. Jesus is the rock. So when he said, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, we know now that the rock represents who? It represents Jesus. Okay, so now he's telling Moses, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. It's a literal rock in Moses' time. It's a literal rock, but in our application for us, that rock is Jesus. So why does he say cleft? So like, what do you mean by cleft of the rock? What is a cleft of the rock? The word cleft, just by definition, this is not a spiritual definition, just the natural definition, means a crevice. A large crack, an opening in a rock formation, large enough for an animal or human to hide in. I thought that was interesting. What is a cleft? It's a crevice or a large crack, an opening in a rock formation, large enough for a human to hide in. Where did God say he was going to put us? In the cleft of the rock. I'm going to put you in this opening, this crack, this place in this rock, Moses, and it's large enough for you to hide in. Keep that. So if Jesus is the rock, where is the crevice or cleft or opening in Jesus? In John chapter 19, verse 34, it says, but one of the soldiers, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Jesus is what? Jesus is the rock. Rock. He said, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. Jesus is hanging on the cross and uh, pierced with hands, feet, crown of thorns, right? And he's supposed to be dead, and the Roman soldiers would come across and everyone who wasn't dead yet, because they had to take the bodies down before sundown. So they would go, and if the body was still alive, they would break their legs so that they couldn't hold themselves up to breathe. The only way you could breathe on the cross is if you would push against the nails that are piercing your feet, push up, and you could get a breath and an exhale, and then you would hang back down. That's the only way you could breathe and stay alive. If you could push yourself up to take a breath and exhale. So when they break their legs and they would fall, they would suffocate. So they came to Jesus and Jesus was already dead. So they didn't break his legs. Because your Bible prophesied that not one bone of his would be broken. So the Roman soldier, wanting to be certain, took a spear and jabbed him right in the side, up into the heart. And the Bible says here in John 19, 34, that uh, the soldier pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. It's important. What came out? Not just blood, but blood and water. There's a reason for that medically, but I'm not going to get into the purpose of that, the sack and what's in there and the water, why it came out. There's a spiritual application. So if Jesus is the rock, and he was struck on the side, created, when a spear would pierce the skin, it would create a crack or an opening in the skin, right? 
So now the rock has been struck and now there is a cleft or an opening in his side. You're going to see this all playing out right there in your Bible. That's why we need to look for Jesus, even the Old Testament. Look at, look at the time whenever, do you guys remember when, Moses, when the children of Israel were thirsty and they wanted water? They were holding up signs to Moses, we want water, we want water. They were protesting, <laughs> posting things on Facebook, mean messages to Moses, <laughs> blowing him up on Twitter or X or Instagram, all of that stuff. And so... God told Moses, I'm going to give your people some water. So he told him in Exodus 17, what did he give him these instructions? Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. On the rock. Mm -hmm. On the rock. Did you get that? I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. And you shall do what to the rock? You shall strike the rock and water will come out of it. Where's the water coming out of? Out of the rock. And what's the purpose of the water coming out of the rock? That the people may... So Moses strikes the rock with his rod and water comes out of the side of the rock and all the people begin to drink the water. Jesus hanging on the cross, the rock. The Roman soldier pierces him, strikes the rock and out of his side comes blood and if the water in the Old Testament was for the people to drink, what was the purpose of the water coming out of Jesus' side? I'm glad you asked. John chapter 4, Jesus was talking to the woman at the well in Samaria, and he said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst the water that I shall give him. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So when they struck Jesus with the spear and blood and water came out, that water that came out of him was for the fountains of living water that if we drink of his water, we will never thirst again. We can drink of this water here all day and we're going to get thirsty again. But if you drink from the water that comes out of Jesus, he's telling you that it's everlasting life is going to be available in that water. Just like the rock brought forth water in the Old Testament, Jesus brought forth water for us. Ephesians 5, 26 talks about the church and says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. I love the symbolism. Moses, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. The rock, Jesus, that water came out. And that water not only is for me to drink into everlasting life, but it also washes me, sanctifies me, and cleanses me, and makes me righteous. Where does our righteousness come from? Our, our righteousness comes from washing of water by the word. We're made holy, we're made righteous because of Jesus. So he says, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. Jesus was pierced in his body, creating a cleft or an opening big enough for a human to hide in. So now he says, I'll put you in the cleft. So what does that mean for us in the New Testament? How do we, how do we get into the side of Jesus? So there's an opening there. Do, do I have Chad? I'm confused. I'm kind of like Nicodemus. Do I have to go back into my mother's womb? How do I climb through a cut in Jesus' side? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
says, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. What body are we baptized into? The body of Christ. So whenever we get born again, the Holy Spirit immerses us into the body of Christ, and now we are hidden in him. It's not just I come up and I pray a prayer, and now I'm going to heaven. It's so much more. It's so much more. We've got to get out of religion and get into what happened with the covenant that we, when we become born again, we die to ourselves and we are immersed into the body of Christ and now I am hidden and Jesus is the one who's seen. Jesus is the one who's visible. Now we become hidden in him. I'm immersed into his body, this opening. When God hid Moses in the cleft of the rock, he's hiding Chad in the body of Christ. That the only way that he could experience more of God, the glory of God, is to hide him in the cleft of rock. The only way that I can experience more of God and the glory of God is to be hidden in Christ that now I'm born again, and now I can experience his presence. Look what it says in verse 22. He says, so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. This is pretty cool. So let's look at it practically. Moses, human being, God says, you can't come to me, so I'm going to come down to you. That still freaks me out. I don't understand that. Like how the God of the universe is going to come down and walk past him. What kind of sense does that make? I can't put that together. I, like, and so here's what he does. He says, Moses, I'm going to put you in this opening of this rock, and I'm going to cover you with my hand. I will cover you with my hand. And then I'm going to walk past you. Because if I don't put my hand there, when I walk past you, I will kill you. The magnitude of my glory will zap you like a mosquito. And that little purple light. Is that how it goes? I'm not sure. But, but that's, that's a glory that I can't comprehend. Can you? Can you help me with that? I, I can't understand and comprehend that level of glory that I can't even stand in his presence because he is so good, he is so glorious, and I in my natural state am not worthy that he had to say, Moses, I'm going to put my hand and I'm going to cover you. Two things about I will cover you. Here's what I thought. Jot these down. There could be a number of meanings, but here's what I got out of it. Two things. I will cover you with my hand. Number one, I will cover you, means I will cover you up. I will hide you. I will hide you. Your sins will not be seen. Colossians 3, 3 through 4 says, For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Here's the application for me as I see it. Moses, I'm going to put my hand there. I'm going to hide you. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. So you're going to be hidden in the rock. Who's the rock? 
Jesus. So once he baptizes us into Jesus, we are hidden. We are no longer seen. What does the Father see when he looks at us? He sees Jesus. So now my sin has been covered. It's been paid for. And so he's saying here that I will hide you. Your sins will not be seen. I will come to a place where I will cover you up, Chad, and you will not be seen anymore. It will be Jesus that's seen. So when we get saved, when we get born again, it's not about Chad still this, Chad still that. Chad, it's none of me. It's not me anymore. It should be Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because without Jesus, I'm still lost. If it's about me, it's no good. But he's the only one that gets me to the Father. He says, no one comes to the Father but through him. So this is what he's saying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover you. I'm going to hide you. Anybody remember this old hymn? He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock, the shadows of dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand. This is what Jesus has done for us. He's given us an opportunity. Second definition or second application, I should say, about cover you. I will, put you, I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. The second one, I will cover for you. Anybody ever said this phrase to someone else? Hey, I'll cover for you. You can't be there, I'll cover for you. Right? Oh, oh, you're busy? You're not going to be able to show up? I'll cover for you. What does that mean? I will take your... I will take your... All right, so you can't do it. You can't, I'll, I'll do it for you. He says, I will cover you with my hand. Application for us is Jesus is saying, Chad, you can't do it, so I will do it for you. You can't go to the cross. You can't earn salvation. You can't come to me, so I will come to you. I will cover for you, says this in 1 John chapter 4 or chapter 2, verse 2 says, And he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Do you know what the word propitiation means? That's a big word. Where propitiation means atonement, to expiate to make amends, to extinguish the guilt, put an end to. Jesus came to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus came to say, Chad, you will never be able to pay for your sins. So you know what? I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to come in your place. I'm going to substitute and go to the cross. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Where do we become righteous? By cleaning up our life and getting better? We get righteous in him. He said, I will cover for you. I will, I will cover and come in your place. And this is what God was saying, that you don't have to do it yourself. I have to do it for you. First John 4.10 says, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So the cleft of the rock is not merely just a place that he's going to hide Moses, but it represents for you and I today a place where we also get to hide in Jesus. Do you see the comparison? How the gospel is located here when Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. And, and God said, okay, all right, here's the plan, Moses, for you to experience my glory. You can't come to me. I'm going to have to come to you. I'm going to come down, and I'm going to cover you 
with my hand. I'm going to hide you in the rock, and then I'm going to pass by. But here's the New Testament. Here's the exciting things about the New Testament. Jesus is a better plan than the rock for Moses. He had a rock for Moses, but he had a better rock for us. The better rock for us was his son, that his son would come and say, hey, I'm going to die on the cross for you, and now you can be hidden in me, and now we can experience the glory of God. Moses was limited to seeing God pass by. You know what the glory of God says in the New Testament? That he says he would not only be with us, but he will be... No, he'll be where? First two rows, got it. He'll not only be with us, but he'll be halfway. I just want to make sure we understand what we're talking about. Because we throw around glory of God, glory of God, and then we try and figure out what we're going to do for lunch. Can we boggle our minds for just a moment? Can you stay with me for a moment? Because I, I want you to see something that Jesus came so that we can be immersed in the rock and once we're in the rock, now the glory of God will not only be with us, but now it will be. Are we understanding that the glory of God that was going to kill Moses now can live in you? You still haven't got it. I hope Mount Carmel and Carlinville's getting it because we're 10% here have got it. I don't even have it. I'm talking about that the glory of God so magnificent that a human being had to go in a boulder and God himself had to put his hand, not Moses put his hand, God himself had to put his hand to walk by and then pull his hand back and let him see his backside. That's all he could handle. You just get to see my back. But in the New Testament, with this rock, I'm not talking about a boulder in Colorado. I'm not talking about the Grand Canyon. I'm talking about the rock that hung on a cross. In this rock, when I get immersed and hidden into him, now the God of the universe somehow, somehow wants to live on the inside of me and take up residence in me. I don't understand it. How can God live in me and me not be changed? If that kind of power, if that kind of power is available, how can it be in me and not change me? How can it be in me and me not live different? How can it be in me and me not want to live in power? How can the God of the universe abide inside this broken vessel? I don't know, except I'm hidden in Christ. It's about him. It's not about me. I I can't house the glory of God. I can't house the king of the universe. Who am I? I know who I am. I can't do it. But when I'm hidden in him, when I'm immersed into his body, when I'm hidden in the rock, then he says, Chad, I want to be with you more than you want to be with me. So I've come up with a plan. I've come up with a better plan than I had for Moses. I'm going to come down. 
and I'm going to hide you inside of me. And then I'm, I'm not just going to come and, and pass by you, but I'm going to set up a dwelling place on the inside of you. I'm going to make you my dwelling place. I like you so much I want to live inside of you. What? 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 I don't understand. You know the button on your blender that says frappe? That's what my brain feels like. Just frappe. How can God, because he's not just up there. When I'm born again, when I'm hidden in the rock, now the Holy Spirit of God comes on the inside of me. And he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We say we're saved and we're Christians and we don't have enough power to blow the fuzz off a peach. What is it? It's not because it's not available. I'm not criticizing you. I'm talking about all of us. We have power at our disposal when Jesus comes and lives on the inside of us. We've got to live like the glory is here. And stop living like we just want to go to church. We're settling for religion when we should be tapping into glory. Man, I feel his presence. We're settling. We're settling below the standards of what God wants us to live by. Why? Because we want to fit in with others? My Lord, we're supposed to stand out. Why? Because we got the king of the universe living on the inside of us. We're about, well, I don't, want to be, I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be different. How can you not be different when Jesus is living on the inside of you? How can you not be different when power like that is somehow contained on the inside of you? How can you not get excited and say, Jesus, I'm unworthy. I don't deserve it. He says, I know. I know you can't come to me, so I came to you. I came to you. So, so Lord, how, do I, how, do, how does this work? I, how can I receive it? I, I'm so worthless and blah, 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 blah. He said, stop, stop, stop. I'm going to hide you in the rock. Come into me. Come to me. Drink of the water that I will give you. Drink of the water. And I felt like the Lord wanted to say to us, Can I pray for just a second? I want to get clarity on what he's telling me. Father, I just thank you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, come. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. He said, read one more verse. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Look at verse 23. Here's this encounter with Moses. He said, then I will take away my hand, and you shall see... My back, but my face shall not be seen. When I pass by, when, I, when you encounter me, Moses, you're going to see something you've never seen before. He gave Moses a glimpse, just a glimpse of him. But he wanted to show Moses more. He wasn't satisfied with this encounter. He wanted more. He wanted more interaction. And I believe God is challenging you and I. There is more than what you've seen. You may have seen some great things when God, with God. That's, that's, we've all seen some great things, but I'm just saying he's, he's telling us there's more. I want to show you more. 
I want, to, I want you to see more of me. Are we hungry for more? Are we satisfied with just what we've seen up to this point? And maybe the question might be asked as well, have I really experienced the power of Jesus? Is he really living on the inside of me or have I just done something on the outside? Because if he is living in me, how am I not changed? I'm not talking about, hey, we all still have some better days than others and have some struggle. I'm talking about habitually living in a pattern of sin. Habitually living in the same pattern over and over and over and over and over. There's got to be something that changes on the inside of us that does not make us perfect. Doesn't mean we never make mistakes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about my will to sin has died and my will to live for Jesus is alive and well. There has to be an old becoming new. A dead becomes alive. A resurrection into newness of life. Some parts are processes. Some parts we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Absolutely. But I believe there's more. So if you would just bow your heads with me. Mount Carmel and Carlinville. Just bow your heads. Here at North City. Erod's family. May I feel the presence of God. Come, Jesus. Lord, I give you liberty to do whatever you want to do in the name of Jesus. I pray that our our hearts will be touched by your presence. I feel like God is drawing people into a number of categories, so just pray and open your heart to God. Listen to Him. I believe God is speaking to people that have never truly been born again. And I believe the Lord is telling me you will know it is you because of the Holy Spirit. That you have never been born again. You've went to church for a long time. Some people have been to church a long time and never been born again. Never had fire on the inside of you that changes you. That I once was like this, but now I'm like that. I once lived this way, but now I live this way. I once talked like that, but now I talk like that. I once used to do that, but now I do this. There's a change. And God's saying to you, today's your day to accept Jesus and to be hidden in the rock. He bled for you. He died for you. He came to us when we couldn't come to him. Will you Accept Him. That's one group of people. Maybe you've run from God. You loved Him at one point and you served Him at one point, but right now you're kind of on your own, doing your own thing. And you feel your heart beating because God loves you so much that He's wooing you back to Him. He's so good at that. He's just loving you. It's love that brought him to the cross. It wasn't anger. It wasn't he was mad at us. He came to the cross because he loved. For God so loved the world that he gave. So if you ran away from God, today is your day to run to the rock.
I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. When the earth all around me is sinking sand, on Christ the solid rock I stand. I go to the rock. Others he's speaking to you about. He hides us in the rock. But sometimes we want to stick our head out. Stick our arms out. And we're not hidden. We see too much of ourselves. John said it this way. I must decrease and he must increase. God's speaking to some of us that there's too much of you showing. Too much of your flesh. Too much pride. Too much of your own desires. What about me? What about me? What about me? And Jesus is saying, I want to hide you in the rock. Because when we're hidden in him, it's when we can experience the best of what he has for us. Others, lastly, I feel God is speaking to people. That you're hungry for more. You didn't know there was more, but today you know. I don't know how you know, but I know I believe in my heart that God has showed you there is more than what you're experiencing in your life. You felt something today that you've not felt either ever or in a long time. And God is reminding you, I am still here for you. But I've got more. I've got more. I've got more for you. So if you're here this morning and God is speaking to you in one of those areas, and you want to yield to your heart to Him, or you just acknowledge, man, God's speaking to me, Chad. I know God's doing something. I know He's, I know He's showing me something. In any of those areas, in any combination of God speaking to you, right where you are, just flip your hand, raise your hand so I can see it. Just raise your hand and pray. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. More. Come on, Mount Carmel, Carlinville. Raise them up. Thank you, Jesus. I want us all to stand. Every location. Please hold your places. We're not finished yet. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now in every location, every person who either raised their hand or you wish you would have. When God's dealing with our hearts, we have an opportunity to respond to what He's saying. I feel like God wants to move in the hearts of people. So if you raise your hand or you wish you would, wish you would have, I invite you to step out and come to the front. Come on here in Mount Carmel, Carnival. Come on, you raise your hand or you wish you would have. Even if you didn't raise your hand, you're like, God's speaking to me, Chad. I want to come. Then come. Come, come, come. Come, just come to the altar. 
Just come to the altar. Give it to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm responding to what you're doing on my heart, what you're speaking to me. I don't know what he spoke to you. I don't know what he's dealing with you about, but I want you to give it to him. I want you to tell him yes. I want, to give him, want you to give him your heart. I want you to commit. Come on, anybody else. If God's dealing with you, if you're saying, uh, God, I need to be hidden in the rock. I want more. I don't know what it is. But I want you to respond to him. This is our opportunity to connect you with the power of God for you to make a change. Somebody here, thank you, Lord, that you're saying, if the power of God is on the inside of me, how am I not different? Why am I not standing out? How am I putting a damper on it? I believe Jesus wants to immerse you in the power of Holy Spirit. There's some that have been born again, but you're not operating in the power of Holy Spirit. If you're born again and you've never been baptized in Holy Spirit and you would like to receive that, I want you to step out of your seat and come to the front as well. Come, come, come. We want to pray for you. We want to pray. We want to pray for the power to be utilized and exercised in our life. If you've been filled with Holy Spirit and you say, I'm just still not tapping into my power, I'm not utilizing what God's given me, that's all right. There's no condemnation. We all can exercise more power, but I just want to give opportunity for those who want to do that ministry team, will you come and just begin to minister with these that have come already? More. you still got room. still got time. Let's just pray. Come on, Mount Carmel, Carnival, let's pray into this. Let's pray into what God is doing in your locations there in Mount Carmel and Carnival, North City. Come on, let's pray into this. Lives can be changed by the power and presence of Holy Spirit. If the king of the universe lives on the inside of us, why are we not living differently? I think it's a valid question. If truly God is on the inside of us, should we not be different? Should we not act different? Should we not have a different perspective on life? Should we not have peace when others do not? Should we not have hope when others do not? Should we not have love when others do not? Should we not have joy when others do not? If God is on the inside of us, who can be against us? Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. If the greater one is on the inside of us, why are we fearful of what man will do? Why are we afraid of what others think? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. We give you praise. Ministry team there in Mount Carmel and Carnival, hopefully you're already up, but just come. If you haven't, come forward. Just pray with those that are there. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, church, just begin to pray. Let's pray for God to move in our midst. Pray for God to touch people, maybe people that aren't even here, people watching online. I don't even know how many people's lives are being changed right now watching on, online. Lord, I just thank you for moving through the screen there in Mount Carmel and in Carnival. E-Roads family, I just pray for everyone watching, even people watching on demand later. I thank you for your power and your presence, God. Change us from the inside out. Hide us in the rock. Hide me in Jesus. That people won't see me, God. Let them see you. Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. We want to abide with you, Lord. We want you to abide here. Come on, just invite him. 
Invite him to come and abide here. Fill this place, Lord. Fill it. Make that a prayer over your life. Fill this place. Fill your temple. Come on, be different. Lord, fill my life. Fill my heart. I don't want to just be going into a building to find you. I want you to be in me. I don't want to be one day a week in a certain building that I experience God. Fill me, Lord. Come, abide in me. Everywhere I go, you go. the Lord gave me this word and I just kept writing and usually he gives me visions when he gives me something this is brand new to me so I questioned it and I said Lord I don't want to do this you know that and I said if you want me to do this show me the number 67 just randomly well while Chad was preaching somebody's child was 67 so here I am. <laughs> this does and doesn't go along exactly with what Chad was preaching, but I feel that there's just this urgency in it, and, and that's why I'm supposed to share this right now. Because a lot of people think they have time, and we, we all think we have time. I tell you, the hour is now. Be prepared, for I'm about to come and collect my bride. For those who do not believe in me will be thrown into the bottomless pit. I say to you now, be prepared. My children, I tell you to be ready and have your lamps ready. For those with no oil will have a light that shines. Those with no oil will not have a light that shines, but will be left in the dark. Eternity is just on the horizon. Where do you want to spend it, my dear children? I have been preparing a place for those I love. Let the trumpets sound and look to the clouds. Be ready, the time is now. My children, you are my army and I have been preparing you for battle. Some of you have been out there fighting and are tired, but catch your breath and return to the battlefield. New soldiers will be joining you and you will fight until the battle is won. Fight, fight for your family, fight for your friends and fight for what you know is from God. For I am with you and the battle is already won. My children, I love you and will see you soon. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear, for the Lord your God has prepared the way. Wow. 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 I was praying this week up here. Thank you, Sheena. The Lord started speaking to me about an eternal perspective. And I, I asked this question, or this question came to my mind, I should say. And I said, I wonder what people are doing in heaven right now. I just wondered, what are they doing right now? Then I equally asked this question, I wonder what people in hell are doing right now. What are they doing? What is it like for them? What are they saying? 
What are the people in heaven doing? And what are the people in hell doing? I felt like God was speaking to my heart saying, no one in hell is glad that they're there. No one is saying, wow, I'm here. This is awesome. I'm with my friends having a party. I believe the Bible tells us when Jesus talked about the rich man and Lazarus and the rich man looked at Lazarus in Abraham's bosom and he said, Lazarus, dip your finger in water and touch my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, there's a gulf between you and I and we cannot come to you and you cannot come to us. And the rich man said, we'll send Lazarus back so he can preach to my brothers so that they would not come to this place. Hear me. Someone in hell, Jesus is telling this story. So if you don't want to believe it, then don't believe Jesus. But someone in hell was not saying, Hey, bring my brothers here. He was saying, please, go tell my brothers so they will not come here. No one wants to come here. What is everybody doing in heaven right now? What is everybody doing in hell right now? And then this question came to me. What am I doing right now? What am I doing right now that's going to matter the most for that time? What am I doing? What matters that I'm what matters that I'm doing all of a sudden in a blink? Money didn't matter, cars didn't matter, homes didn't matter. Nothing mattered. Everything is about Jesus. The promotion, whether I got insurance or whether I got a 401k, none of that mattered in that moment. It was all about Jesus. Everyone in heaven right now is worshiping God. Everyone in hell right now is tormented. What are you doing right now? What a word. We don't have forever, friends. Time is... Look, I'm telling you, I talked about this on the power outage day. There's some stuff coming. I'm preparing, Lord, let me talk about some of these, some message for some things that are happening in the world right now. Woo-wee, it's pointing right to things are happening. Things are aligning in the earth. Globalization is aligning. It's all biblical. It's not political. It has to happen. They're already talking about another COVID coming this fall already? What? Why? It's all fear-based to torment, to get you to comply, to get you to concede. Be ready, be ready, be ready. We have to be up on what the Bible says to be wise. So, Lord, I just pray that we'll be ready. I pray for everyone watching right now that they don't know where they're going. I pray your loving conviction would grip their heart today. Lord, you said in that word, today is the day. 
Now is the time to give our life to Jesus. So Lord, I pray that our hearts will beat for our friends, our family members, co-workers that don't know you. Jesus, break our heart for what breaks yours, for the things that matter. Nothing else matters but Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.